stuff. Carmen and Calvin. Thank you for the blessing, Lord, of seeing them together. As you've brought them together, Lord, we pray, Jesus, you take them deeper on this journey that they take together now. Thank you for that blessing, Lord. just want to lift up my sister Cheryl. I pray for healing for her, Lord. And Jesus, I pray you intervene. Holy Spirit, guide the doctors. Bring about healing. And for my brother Graham, Lord, cover him, Lord, with your peace. Cover him, Father, I pray. Let him know that you're working, Lord, and you're working for them. For my sister Bex, Lord, I lift her up to you as she faces a difficult week, Lord, major operation, the travel just getting up there. Bless her, Lord, and watch over her, Father. Spirit, inhibit her, Lord. Let her know that you've got this. You've got this. Pray for healing, for your touch. From a brother, Alan, as well. Be with them, Father, I pray. Bring them back to us safely and healed. For my sister, Trish, such a blessing to hear her prayers this morning, Lord. Having her here on the journey that she has been. Bless her, Lord, for the journey that is to come. And thank you, Lord. Thank you for her being here with us. And for our sister Hansa, who you have healed, Lord, that you have worked in and around. Thank you, Jesus. Pray you bless her and bless Kelly as they continue to take those faithful steps, trusting you. Take us deeper, Jesus. Keep us on our knees. In 2014, I'd been four years at a Power Baptist church. We arrived there, uh, I think, two months before the first earthquake, our first experience of New Zealand. Um, and four years were difficult. You know, the church mobilized. It was easy to sell a vision when you're in the middle of tragedy because we knew exactly what we needed to do. We uh, converted our hall into uh, a food uh, a food collection space. We had teams going through our neighborhood shoveling and cleaning. But after four years, people were tired. And all of a sudden, it's kind of hard then to sell a vision when people are tired. It was hard to think, 
where do we go from here now? What, what's the next step? Um, I'd been feeling tired, but we'd had quite a bit of support from churches around the world. We had four churches, two in the States, two in the UK, that were actively supporting us financially, through prayer, constantly in contact. Some of them sent people over to help out. It was a great opportunity after four years for the elders then to say, hey, Rob, you need to go over there and say thank you. So I took some time off and visited these four churches, preached there, shared about what was going on in Christchurch. But in the middle of it, I decided to take a week off. And I ended up in County Tipperary in Southern Ireland in a monastery that um, looked like New Zealand, really. <laughs> you know, very green. And it was this monastery that I ended up in, this Catholic monastery, and, 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 and they had a spiritual director who I uh, connected with for the week there. And it, it was difficult, to be honest, because you could only eat the food that was grown on the property. Uh, they didn't grow pigs, so I couldn't have bacon. Um, a lot of potatoes. I don't know, something about Irish and potatoes. But, um, and, and it was a bit of a silent retreat, so when you walked around the place, you had to be quiet. There was no Wi-Fi, and I stayed in this little cabin, and you can see the view from the cabin itself. There were these beautiful fields of kind of wild lavender growing everywhere, and it was a lovely place. And I remember meeting with the priest the first day, and, and you know, he asked me, he said, what, what are you hoping to get out of this week? And I said to him, I'm just, I don't know what to do next. Not, not me personally, I'm talking about the church. I don't, I don't know what we can do. We're tired, we're, you know, we're, we've put in everything in the last four years. What, what does the next four or five years look like for us? And, you know, he was quite, I don't know if it's a typical Irish Catholic priest, because I don't know many of them, but, you know, he just kind of looked at me and he goes, okay, well, I'm going to give you some activities to do, and then we're going to talk about it each day. I thought, cool, you know, what Bible passages to read or this and that. No, he would send me out on errands. So I'd get in my car and drive to a little town nearby and have a look at something that he asked me to look at or I'll go to another town. Well, one town I ended up was this town called Cashel. Um, uh, and there was this church there that's called the Rock of Cashel. Um, and I thought that was interesting because, you know, I was in Christchurch at the time and the main street in Christchurch is Cashel Street, right? And I was like, oh, look, there's a connection here. Cool. So you go see this church, and it's completely, uh, it's, a, it's a ruin. And I was thinking I was going to walk into some church, and I was going to sit down and look at some, you know, icons or, 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 or really cool stained glass windows. There were no windows in this church. It was broken, beaten. And I remember taking photos and looking around and, you know, you kind of look at all the ancient headstones there. I mean, they were three, four, five hundred-year-old headstones. And it was fascinating, but it was kind of depressing. I'm looking for a vision of the church, and you sent me to a church that's basically busted up. And when I went back to talk to him, I said, so what was the deal for today? Why did you send me there? And he said, did you notice any difference between the church and the headstones? I said, yeah, they're both old. And he goes, what else? Well, they're both in disrepair. He said, yeah. He said, sometimes church leaders, what they focus on is the church. And what are we going to do together as a church? 
But sometimes we don't stop and challenge people where they are at. What's the challenge for the person? Because if people are alive, the church is alive. If the people are motivated, the church is motivated. If the people are excited, the church is excited. It was one of those aha moment, you know, of course, yes. He said the rock of Cashel has, you know, been there for centuries. And so have the headstones. A church is dead, a church is dead. It's interesting, as, as we're going through this series, you know, I'm captured by our story, and we talked about this last week, you know, where we've come from, where we're at. And, you know, the challenge of trying to find out, well, what is God doing? What is God saying? For those of us who know into our 91st year as a church, as a church collective, where are we at? You know, what are we doing? Well, we know one thing for certain, that it's here that God has called us to. That, that, that's for certain. Those who have come before us have made that call. They have sought God out, and here we are. But here's the biggest challenge. Where are you called? Where are you called? And I'm not talking collectively. I'm talking individually. Where are you called? It's easy for a pastor. We get called to places, and we get a whole bunch of people that affirm us, and then six months later, the church doesn't affirm it anymore because they realize they made a mistake. But you're stuck with it, right? It's easy for the pastor because if I feel I'm called to this place, I'm going to get a bunch of people that will affirm it. But for us, normal people, it's a challenge. Where, where are you called? It's a really, really important thing that we need to grasp, every one of us in this room, that you are called. And that changes everything for you. You are called just as much as I am called. We are all called here. You look at it in the Bible, you go straight to the beginning of the Gospels and you see how Jesus kind of approaches these people and makes the call. He, he goes up to them and he says, hey, he sees two brothers, Simon and Peter, and, 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 and Simon Peter and his brother Andrew, and they're out there working, fishing, doing their thing, and Jesus says, come and follow me, and I'll send you out to fish for people. And at once, they left their nets. They've changed completely, being called, completely changed their direction, completely changed where they were going, completely changed, and as you read, throughout the Gospels, completely changed them as people. Going on, it doesn't stop there. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James and his brother John, and they were in a boat with their father, preparing the nets, and Jesus called them, and immediately, they not only just left the boat, they left their dad. Imagine how slightly upset dad might have been. Getting ready to go out fishing, and these boys walk off. Oh, typical young men. They were called. You know, there is a calling. And when we read our Bibles, there's a lot of people that have a calling. I mean, Abraham has a calling to go to 
the promised land to Canaan. You know, Moses has the calling to go down and, and set the Israelites free from, you know, the grasp of Pharaoh. Um, you've got David who's got the calling to go out and face the giant. There is a calling. And for some of us, it's very specific. I get this calling. You get a different calling. But there is one calling that we all have. There is what I call the calling. Something that as Christians, every one of us have. It doesn't change for any of us. And that is the calling to worship. As Jesus says, we're all called to worship the Lord, your God, and serve him only. We've all got that calling. Brings us together. Sometimes we put music to it. Sometimes it's maybe quietness. But we are called to worship. We're also called to commune. This really interesting verse in 1 Peter says this, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house uh, to be the holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God and Jesus through Jesus Christ. But this is not a singular uh, application. He's not talking about me or you. He's talking about you as in all of us. We're all in this together and we're all called to build this spiritual house because each of us make up a part of it. We're called to build this house. Community. Togetherness. And lastly, we're called to mission. Matthew 28. Go out into the world and make disciples. Share the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's the one I think we, we, we really struggle with, right? You know, we see a lot of struggling going on during the week, didn't we? In a nation that is completely split. But actually, Christians aren't much better. When you talk about mission, we're, we're pretty split. The mission is to preach the word. Oh, the mission is to go out and feed the poor. No, the mission is to have good theology and speak the truth. And no, 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 but we need to go out and save our people, you know, find houses for them and, and, and love them where they're at. You know that churches actually split on stuff like that. Kind of like the hymn verse, contemporary song, worshipping. So what does mission look like? I was reminded this week, I was at a home group. And, 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 and a person in the home group just pulled out this verse and reminded me, I've pulled it out a number of times, but it reminded me, this is what the mission we're called to. Acts chapter 2. This is what it looks like. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came all over him, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need, and they worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the, all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship, those who are being saved. That's what mission actually looks like. That's what being called looks like. That's what worship looks like. That's what community looks like. 
So I want to give you a moment now. You could share amongst yourselves, you can turn around and talk to the person next to you, or you can just quietly reflect on this. But I want you to reflect on these verses. What appeals to you? What's missing for us? Why is it missing? And what should we be working on? Looking at that, and if that's what mission really looks like, if that's what worship really looks like, if that's what community really looks like, if that's what we're called to, what does that mean for you? And what part do you play in that? Take a moment. Feel free to talk to the person next to you if you want, share around, or if you want to sit quietly to contemplate, I'm going to give you some time. Go for it. Anyone want to share what you guys have been talking about or thinking about? Uh, 
uh, one of the comments that was made was, you know, a deep sense of awe. When was the last time anyone felt a deep sense of awe being, just being a Christian? That was quite... That's a good point to make. When was the last time we felt a deep sense of awe? Anything else come out in the conversations? Anyone wants to share? Giving with no strings attached, yeah. It must have been uncomfortable, you know, I mean, that, that sounds idyllic, but, but imagine having to share everything. I have a problem sharing the bathroom in our house and their family. Yeah, enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And when you read Revelation, you know, and you read those, those, the seven churches, there doesn't seem to be much goodwill from the people around them you know, in some of those places. But here it sounds like that there is genuine goodwill happening around. Yeah, that's really interesting. The reality is that that, that that model there, we've tried to replicate time and time again, haven't we? How many people have told you, we need to get back to the Acts church, we need to get back to being that kind of church, and some people have worked hard at it. Who's been part of a church that's, that's said that? We need to be an Acts church again. But the reality is, this is actually really difficult. It would have been easier back then because culturally speaking, that's what they did. You lived basically on top of each other. Today, we've kind of, over the 2,000 years, we've kind of separated ourselves, gotten further apart. You know, it's interesting because C.S. Lewis, in The Great Divorce, his view of hell is people living in these suburbs and they get further and further apart from each other. And he takes them on a bus up to heaven and these people get really annoyed because everyone's around. What's going on here? I need my space. It's fascinating how he interpreted it that way as the difference between hell and heaven. And here we look at this and we think, oh my goodness. But then, you know, Merck can tell you when you go to Europe, who's been to Rome, they live on top of each other. My sister's on lockdown again. She lives in Madrid. And she says, Rob, you don't understand. I said, oh, we've gone through lockdown. Yeah, right. You've got a backyard. I'm in an apartment with three kids. And it's not the kids I'm worried about, it's the husband. <laughs> these are things that, that we need to wrestle with. Because these are the things that we are all called to. Some of us have very specific callings, whether it's to preach or to be an evangelist or to go do this or, or go work in Thailand or go do that. I mean, there's, those are callings. But the calling is right here. Coming off that idea of awe 
Mark 10.32 says this, they were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way and the disciples were astonished while those who followed were afraid. And my challenge to you this morning is this. You're either going to be astonished or afraid if you follow Jesus. And it actually encapsulated, again, in this one meeting at a home group this last week where this one person voiced astonishment and awe at hearing Richard speak last week and hearing and seeing his emotion. She said it was a miracle to see it, not just hear it, but see it from where we were and where we are. Our God has worked through this to get us where we are and Richard showed it and there was this astonishment from this person but then the next point came up and said they were afraid afraid of where Jesus might mess up their lives might shake up a thing or two where you know we've got that control we've got that way of life and that's okay you know I'm fearful I've had to apply for um for uh, not citizenship, um, permanent residency this past week. And it got sent back to me because I didn't fill the paper out right, so now I've got to send it back in. But the reason I'm fearful of this is because if I don't do this, I don't apparently get a pension here in New Zealand if I'm not a permanent resident. And as an Aussie, the residency doesn't work because I've come in here after a certain time. So I'm filling out this paperwork and then I'm thinking in my head, Oh my goodness, are we talking about pensions? My parents talk about pensions, not me. And then I'm fearful. God, what have you got for me? What's going to happen when we follow Jesus? We are either astonished because of what he is doing amongst us or fearful of what he might do amongst us. That's not a bad thing but it can be scary. It can be scary. You know, we talk about upside down church and we talk about the changes that we've gone through over the last four years. We talk about how we've flipped things over. How we're not at the back and now we're down the front. But actually, upside down church doesn't have anything to do with this building. It's about turning you upside down. That's the challenge that we're faced with. The building's easier to flip upside down. People tell me, oh, how are we going to raise $600,000? That's, that's actually easy in my mind. You know what's harder? Flipping people upside down. Rather than being so focused on here, focused up there. Rather than being straight-jacketed to the whims and wills of this world to be set free and the power and love of Jesus Christ. Believe it or not, that's the hardest thing. So help people in that. Turning the church upside down, we can do that any day. I'm not exonerating you from it, by the way. We still need to raise 600. And I believe firmly in that. Because for some of you, that is flipping you upside down. 
But the challenge that we have isn't so much what this building becomes because at the end of the day, we're not going to present a building to God. Our journey is more about who we become rather than the circumstances we inhabit or the things we accomplish. Jesus didn't die for a building or for a better mission statement. He died for you and for me so that we may be flipped upside down. So that we may become the people that he knows we can become. That's our challenge this morning. Yes, we still need to care for this building. Yes, we still have a vision of getting work done here. And as we do that, as we fill these trucks up, let's not forget that the real mission here is flipping each other over. It's helping us break from the bondage of this world into the loving arms of a saviour and Lord, creator of all, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Ask the music team to come up. Let us pray. Father God, thank you, Lord, that it's not about building buildings. or the clothes we wear, or the degrees we carry, or the accomplishments we make. But it is about our relationship with you. Our mission here at Hutt City isn't about the building. The building is a means. The ministries are a means. It's about people lives changed lives flipped upside down for Jesus as we see a world split in two and threes and fours as we see people fighting and arguing over power and leaders and, and political ambitions over ethical issues and, and policy. May we stand apart from that. And work on people. And the rest will come. Change will come. Let's start with people. sharing the love that we have in Jesus the hope we have in Jesus rekindle the awe Lord in our lives and the goodwill of the people around us that they may see and ask what is that about what is going on